Hello and welcome to the Write for Your Life podcast, a show about creative writing, copywriting, reading and the ever-changing publishing industry. Bandwidth for September has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5 and they really are fantastical. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them know that you heard about them here on 5x5. My name's Ian Broom, and I am joined today, as always, by... By me, Donna Sorensen. And, from um, Copenhagen. In Copenhagen, there we go. Football. Yeah, not from Copenhagen, in Copenhagen, yes. Mm. No, but do you have a problem with that? Do, you, do people think uh, that you live there? <laughs> I do live you there. You do live there, no, you do live but there. But a lot of right. people think that I am... that I'm Danish, and, oh, aren't you good at English? I've had some hilarious work emails from people... I had an American guy once write to me and, and, and say that my um, my grasp of the English language was wonderful. I never wrote back. <laughs> you should have written, written back in broken English. Oh, no. I, I just was so desperate to say, well, thank you. I come from um, the kingdom of England, really. But I didn't say that. No, probably for the best. Today, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Today we are going to talk about two or three things we're going to talk um about notebooks later on uh we might do that for a significant period of time who knows but um i've had a couple of oh, you must really love your notebooks ian well people do (laughs) that's that's the whole point isn't it that's kind of the point people do love their notebooks and it was a coincidence i was uh i had a couple of conversations about notebooks during the week um very brief conversations conversations i can't really remember but um, I, I I also saw a tweet this evening by a friend of the show, Nathan Violet, talking about notebooks. And uh, I shall read that out later on, and that will help provoke the discussion. So it's more a case of, do you use them? Because writers are certainly told that they should use them. Um, but but do, do we really use them in the way that people perhaps suggest we should? And um, are they being replaced by digital things? So that's one uh, one topic. I can't wait to find out who you're having a conversation about notebooks with. I don't even know if I can remember who it was with. It might have been with myself. <laughs> Probably. Who knows? We have a, a listener's question, which is similar to the listener's question last week, but different, about choosing names for your heroes and heroines. And before all that, before that begins, we're going to talk about a couple of uh, items that were in the news this week. Publishing news. This is publishing news. This is what we're going to talk about. But before that, Donna, I think you wanted mm. to tell us something astounding. Well, I've done some writing. Well, you were certainly pleased to have done so. <laughs> Is it standard because I don't normally have that to report at our podcast recording? <laughs> yes. I wrote a poem, um, but the reason I was so excited about it was because it was in one of these um, kind of five or ten minutes, just snatching that brief moment of time and using it, that um, I just decided to come and sit down and do it when I normally would be lying around on the sofa dribbling from exhaustion uh and it was ace pomodoro pomodoro poetry it was a blooming pomodoro poetry again um and um and I was just intending to to put five minutes into it but I I did actually I was there for I don't know maybe 20 minutes bashed the whole thing out it was amazing I mean it's not edited and I'll probably completely change it but um but it was just quite exciting to get a little little tiny snippet in there 
Do you know what I was thinking uh, earlier on? No. Are you up on the iPhone rumours? Is, is that something that you uh, keep up to date with? Yes. No. <laughs> um, I was desperately racking my brains thinking, what is he talking about so I can say yes? Well, you know how no. we're, we're approaching the time of year where the new iPhones are going to be announced. That'll be on September the 9th. Um, of course, you, yes. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you keep up to date with these kinds of things, then you might know that pre in, in well, for several years now, the run-up to these types of announcement uh, usually involves um, lots of people guessing things um, about what the iPhones or iPads or whatever it might be, what 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 kind of updates they might be, what will it look like, what will what will all this entail for us as a human, as a human uh, peoples, and um, and over the last two or three years, it's been quite accurate. So there was a time where people guessed stuff and they got no idea what was going on. So for example, the iPad which came out in. Oh, Shouldn't have started that sentence. 2010, <laughs> 2011, can't quite remember. It was sort of oh. ja- January time of one of those years that was announced. And um, and everyone was kind of knew it was coming. So that we kind of, everyone, all the kind of commentators had guessed when it was coming, but they didn't know what it was called. And so there was this rumour mill of suggested names, the, the iTablet, the iSlate, the uh, Touchy Touch Touch, uh, and various other options, and of course it was called the iPad, and it was a big surprise. Well, there aren't really that many big surprises with these types of announcement before, and this is what I'm coming to. Everyone basically is saying, uh, it's practically being confirmed, that the iPhone will have a larger two, there'll be two iPhones, and they will both have larger screens. <gasps> so it'll go from oh. what is currently, I think, a four-inch screen, uh, lengthwise, um, there's going to be a 4.7 and maybe even a 5.5 inch iPhone screen and I've kind of known this for the last two or three months because everyone's talking about it on various podcasts I listen to but I hadn't really until today I hadn't really thought about it because I'm, I'm obviously going to want one first and foremost yeah, I'm, of I'm, course. we're all you know we're going to want one but I'm just throwing my iPhone in the bin right now Indeed. No point even having it. But and this is what I always do. So I've been in a in a yearly or two yearly in in this run uh, cycle of replacing my phone whenever a sort of a, a shiny new one came out that I had to have, and, and whenever it tied in with my contracts. So I, I am literally just about to run out of contracts on my iPhone five, and my options are Donna. I could take the sensible route, and this is what I have been planning to do. The sensible route, which would be to say, well, I'm no longer in contract. I shall take another monthly contract out and reduce my phone, keep my phone, the current phone that works perfectly mm. well, mm, and, yes. re- and reduce my uh, phone bill by about £25 a month. Mm. Or I could get one of the new ones. <laughs> spend £100-ish on getting a new one with a contract where I currently continue, where I continue to spend my current expensive tariff and I have to do it for another two years no matter what. And we all know what you're going to do. Well, I certainly do. I've known you many years. You've known me. Uh, I've known you. I okay. said that perfectly properly, thank you. Um, but what what is it? What difference is it going to make, those extra, did you say, 0.7 inches? Well, let's go back to what you just said and, and what we've talked <laughs> about over the last few weeks, the Pomodoro technique um, 
and the idea of real life pomodoros which we've which we i think we're getting quite close to banging on about um but the idea that if you have a phone or you have your ipad and you have a spare 10 or 15 minutes instead of playing uh mm. fifa 2014 or stick cricket or <laughs> or various other games um instead of doing that then you have oh. the tools to write right in front of you okay. you have them but so often we don't write or we don't do any fiddly well no we just don't we don't because mentally we don't put two and two together and go this is not just my phone this is a, a device that i can write on um so we 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 fill those 10 15 minutes up with other stuff instead of using them in ways that are productive towards our writing journeys I, I, for me it's just it's because it's too fiddly well yeah and you're right so so we have to admit that the a, a computer is fantastic a laptop is fantastic an ipad is good for writing a mobile phone four inches the size of an iphone is not ideal it's doable i've done it i do it mm. but it's not mm. ideal but if you're looking at a phone that's going to be 4.7 inches 5.5 inches you're halfway to a tablet you can see much more on your screen i imagine the keyboard will be slightly easier to use specifically with two hands maybe maybe i do need one <laughs> oh yes the uh, the convincing of yourself has already started it's known as it started in my head i've now decided to start trying to convince myself i need an iphone 6 on my own podcast about writing <laughs> um do just kind of related to this have you ever dictated into your phone um stories um no i've never quite gone that far i've done text messages yeah you see i mean i use it all the time virtually now for text messages and i was thinking i i, I just i feel like i would need to physically type it i i, I haven't actually tried dictating i've tried poems di- i tried dictating notes and if you do have an iphone there is an app called uh drop vox drop v-o-x uh which is very good you can just record short audio files and it automatically saves them to your dropbox account i used that for a while for one thing or, or another um uh, but i've never no i've never dictated especially not with my phone but people do i mean people write whole books uh, di- uh, via dictation um and there mm. are definitely various apps that you can use to do that i'm interested though what voice do you use when you dictate a text message I'd like let's say let's say the text message is going to be um could you put the dinner on I'm uh, I'm going to be late home from work. Yeah, I mean it's it's always could you please put the dinner on thank you. Because there's no point messing around and having to go back and do it again is there? Do you sometimes try if it's to your um your your loved one um <laughs> or your child who doesn't have a phone do you sometimes at the end go please could you put the dinner on full stop space x <laughs> which has to be one of the least romantic kisses in the entire universe no kind regards um i've had a few um text messages from my other half which have finished with regards and he <laughs> and he claims that that's just not in the settings it's just one of the settings that he hasn't taken off hey that's- doesn't Sometimes it's nice to to receive some kind regards. <laughs> I prefer best regards. Yeah, don't at least want... there is best ones. Well, indeed. Great. Well, um, let's see what happens then with the old uh, convincing yourself that you should spend all that money. Indeed. Think what you could do with twenty. Was it a month? Twenty five pounds a month. 
Uh, yeah, I think that's the. I think that's. I mean, I don't keep up on the old tariff situation, but I think that's probably not far off. That is. Imagine what you could do with that. I know. If I if I was if I was to do that for four months, that would be a hundred pounds. Exactly. Hundred pounds, man. I know. Should we Food talk for thought? Should we talk about writing? Yeah. Or not? Let's not talk about writing. Let's talk about one of our favourites. <laughs> Make up your mind. <laughs> First of all, I thought we were were, but never mind. That's fine. Go on. <laughs> It's writing related. Uh, our favourite uh, multinational uh, frightening company, Amazon. Yeah. Who, um, of course, have had the uh, the KDP, the the Kindle Direct Publishing. <laughs> I need to I need to look up to check exactly if I'm saying that right. Kindle Direct Publishing platform. I think that's right. Um, and uh, of course, people have been publishing, self-publishing novels, all all kinds of books on that for ages. And, um, and and apparently they're quite popular, um, and it's a popular way of doing things. But for children's authors, specifically authors of children's picture books, it's always been a bit of a problem because for a number of reasons. First of all, when it was kind of just the Kindles, um, uh, before the Kindle Fire and before iPads uh, took off like they now have, uh, the, the e-readers were just, just text anyway. So the idea of having pictures, unless you wanted one of those unbelievably simple pixelated sort of dark green and black ones um you can you just couldn't do it um obviously now with 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 uh, tablets there is huge opportunity for people to create picture books uh for children but the usual route for doing that has been to kind of fudge away oneself um or more typically employ a designer to put together some illustrations you know designer or a, an illustrator or both um Amazon today, just today, we're talking on the 4th of September 2014, um, have launched a new platform for publishing children's picture books, and they've called it Kindle's Kids Book Creator. So actually, it's not really a platform that they've launched, it's a tool. Um, And you download this piece of software, and you can throw in JPEGs or PNGs and just basically design your own children's book. So as long as you have got those things like you know, illustrations and or someone to illustrate for you, um, mm-hmm. you can now um, create your own kids' books um, uh, with pictures and self-publish them on the internet. Big big deal, do you think? I've got to be honest. I'm quite excited about this. What part of this is exciting you? The part that I have lots of picture books that I've written that... Um, that I just think a couple of them I'd quite like to just have a go with. I just got to find an illustrator. Well, there are lots of resources out there for finding uh, uh, illustrators. Yeah. I mean, there are lots of there are lots of um, people doing this now. You know, it's a big, big old business. Yeah, I mean, I guess actually, and I do know a few personally. If I could convince them that it's a good way to make money, although we don't know yet whether it's a good way to make money, presumably, seeing as it's just been launched today. Well, it's a fantastic thing for for authors and for um, for self self published people like you, I guess, who are in that position, or people who have kind of always wanted to do this and are tired of trying to put something together that's difficult or that mm. relies so heavily on other people. Yeah. Um, but what we don't know is whether whether readers want to buy books for kids on their on their tablets in this way. We know that there are apps, but they've not really taken off in the way that 
perhaps we might have expected. But there what is. You mean like kids' apps or reading apps? R- reading apps. So children's books. You know, there are apps that are, ch- that are essentially children's books with, with other features um, uh, that you can download. You can buy and download. Do you uh, think they've not taken off? As they might have done. Not really. I, I, I mean, I mean, no. I wouldn't say they've taken off. I would say that they they are used by. Uh, I'm sure there are some stats out there somewhere. I have none. This is all me guessing. It's all conjecture, but I don't think there is some kind of children's book app revolution going on. I just don't. I, for example, have two two-year-olds, and I have not once bought a children's book. They like the, they like the paper. They want to feel them. We've got apps for the kids on, on the yeah, iPad. Yeah, apps. But... Don't they have books? Um, we have some apps that have got books. They're like a storybook. There's a section of the app. So you might have like a jigsaw puzzle section and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, a book is another part of it. But then it's all tied into like the character. So you download the characters app. But, you know, but there's the a, book the, is there. The difference here, though, is there is a barrier to having just standalone apps and that's the fact that you have to go to the app store to get them and yeah. those books or those books with other related features are completely um uh, thrown in with all the other apps all the kind of you know football apps the games sexy apps all of them well maybe this this is what was needed maybe we needed a, a picture book creator app that would make the uh, variety of, of books available more interesting to parents. Maybe this is the start of a revolution. Well, the one thing it would definitely give readers and parents, I guess, is um, a load of children's books all in the same place. A bit yeah. like a bookshop in real life, you might think. Um, and uh, and it's, yeah, it's kind of further worrying for independent books bookstores if this takes off because, you know, it is kind of the one area where books, bookshops, physical bookshops are, you know, they're still considerably in front, I would suggest, because it's so difficult to get a book, um, a, a picture book, um, onto a tablet. So people don't. There isn't, this, there isn't, there just isn't a self-publishing option until now. Mm. Not really. There, well, there, there are, as I've described, but they're all quite difficult. Mm. Um, there's quite a high barrier um, of entry, but this perhaps lowers that barrier and perhaps there will be a kids book pick kids picture book um revolution in self-publishing mm. who knows but it's interesting that it excites you what about amazon i thought everyone hated amazon that wasn't a self-publisher are your eyebrows is this a is this a perfect example of your eyebrows arching when there's an opportunity for you to make some delure well i mean i already am my book is uh, available through amazon right now so I, I couldn't possibly say that I would not create this because I already have a book for sale there. That's true. I meant more... Um, I don't know what I meant, really. Well, I just think I would be a bit hypocritical if I was to say, absolutely not, no way on Amazon. But please do go and buy my book on Amazon. Yeah, well, the, well people, that, people do that all the time. I mean, it's difficult when you're published, when you have a publisher, because to go to them and say, could you take it off Amazon, please? Because I feel strongly about mm. Amazon's general business practice. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, they're going to tell you to... Yeah. Uh, read your contract mm. um so <laughs> would you like that alan partridge reference <laughs> i had to 
um, absorb what you'd said and interpret it. I imagine. I'm sure many of our listeners will have had to do that there. <laughs> there'll be at it's least like contract. At least 17 people get that, even though there wasn't really the leading. There wasn't really the lead into the joke that is essential in order to for the joke to make any sense. Anyway, don't worry. We've 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 covered it now. We've we've we've. I think we've explained it without even explaining it. And I think the given, same giving people thinking time. <laughs> I think the same applies to Kindle Kids Book Creator. We've probably covered it, so that now exists. To go and check it out, there'll be a link in the show notes. But Donna, tell me, where could we find those show notes, and what are show notes? Show notes are basically. Um, <laughs> you are joking. You really want me to say that? People could be listening for the first time. Oh, great! If you're listening to our podcast for the first time, every week we. Um, we just list all the interesting links and the things we've talked about so that if you would like to go and find out more and read up on it, you can do afterwards. And you can find these show notes on 5by5.tv slash WFYL slash 126. So the next thing that we were going to very briefly talk about... Oh, no, wait! I've just remembered something really important. Very important. It takes a dramatic pause before I say it as well. Um... This week was the first anniversary of my book being published. And I just remembered that when I talked, when I said about my book earlier, and I would not have remembered even to mention it, which is just ridiculous. So I just wanted to mention it, that it was massively uneventful. It only involved a tweet and an Instagram and a Facebook post. And that was it. But I think uh, it's a milestone, isn't it? And they were all by you, I presume. (laughs) were oh my god that's totally right i should just write to my publisher in fairness you can't really expect the rest of us to be keeping track (laughs) no but my publisher i would have expected your publisher to have at least sort of uh congratulations i'm just going to go see if they've liked my post (laughs) (laughs) at the very least oh dear anyway yes so a year and then you just realize okay that's that's it that book is no longer you can't you oh I just said can't you can't possibly call it a new book I can never say I have a new book now well I'm not never never say never I, I can no longer say it for this book but you can always say you have a book yes but you know what I mean don't you like once you've done the year that's it yeah I mean if you're lucky I think you probably you probably uh, uh yesterday's news after about three or four weeks <laughs> to be honest <laughs> Great, thanks. Depending on who you are. Anyway, let's. this is, you know, positivity, dudes. Yeah, no, but I, I just, I, I was actually happy because I have enjoyed having that book there, but it did make me realise that it's so important to do everything you can right when it's published. Indeed. To get out there, just get out there, tell everybody about it at the start, you know? Indeed. Do you know what else I'm going to tell everybody about? No. Our first sponsor, and when I say first sponsor, I mean only sponsor, and that's uh, Squarespace. Um, and we're delighted that Squarespace is sponsoring the podcast again. They sponsor a lot of podcasts. They uh, they know that it's a sensible way to meet attractive um, people who want to make websites. That's what they know. Squarespace. Attractive people. Attractive, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Carry on. Tell uh, me more. I'm going to tell you more. So... Um, this episode of the Right for Life podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, as I've just said. It's the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com WFYL. And when you get to uh, check out, 
once you've uh, you can get a free trial which is fantastic i recommend you do that and then when you get to the point where you decide this is fantastic and i'm going to sign up for this long term you need to use the offer code right which is of course w-r-i-t-e and that will let them know that you heard about them here so what is squarespace well squarespace what it does is it makes it simple and easy to create a beautiful design for your custom website using a drag and drop interface they also make it easy to get help with 24 7 support through live chat and email Located in New York, Dublin and Portland, you can reach Squarespace support anytime you need, no matter where you are in the world, which is actually very handy because I think a lot of people, when they're building websites, um, it can be quite a stressful business. You sometimes end up trying to achieve things that you're never going to achieve because you don't have the skills. Well, with Squarespace, the actual platform is easy to use, but if you do run into trouble of any kind, then you can just you just know that someone is at the end of a, a live chat or will reply to an email very promptly. Plans start at $8 a month, and they include a free domain name if you sign up for a year, and their templates, which are all amazing, very fantastic design. Um, they're all responsive, um, which means they adapt to whichever device the uh, person who's looking at your website is on, and, uh, and they all come with an online store as well. So like I say, you can get started with a free trial, no credit card required, and you can start building your website today. When you sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code, as I said earlier, write W-R-I-T-E. That will give you 10% off, and it'll help show your support for this podcast, Write for Your Life. So uh, we thank Great. you in advance. And we also thank Squarespace, Yay. who uh, continue to support 5 by 5 and uh, and thankfully this show. Excellent. Good on them. Yeah. And I am still, uh, this is not just me saying it, I will launch it when I've finished, which is hopefully be quite soon. I am redesigning my entire site now with, with Squarespace, uh, ianbroom.com, you know, the, with the home of my blog, all the information about A's for Angelica, and the reason it's taken me a little longer to get this up and published is I'm, I'm trying to nail down the copy for my freelance business which is also the information but that is all going to be on on there as well but i'm doing all of this with squarespace and the actual i knew that i was going to have to do this copy i wanted to do it quickly i wanted to get the website up quickly i knew that i was going to have to write new copy and just have a rethink about my content as they say um um, and i knew that that was going to take time so i just decided that i was going to use squarespace because i knew that i wanted to have the site look fantastic and be able to make sort of put, still have put my own stamp on it, but just kind of do it quickly and uh, and easily without worrying about having to kind of set up um, uh, some kind of content management system without having to code, which I can do, but I'm very much an amateur. Um, so I didn't want to do all of that, and Squarespace has uh, done the job for me. So I am an actual. When I say all these things, I'm not just reading something out. I actually uh, advocate it and use it myself. It's good. Good to know. So, Eleanor Catton, who won the Booker Prize just last year for her gigantic book, The Luminaries, um, she won another prize, a grant. Uh, not a grant, so that's what she's planning to do. So she won a, won a prize in her native New Zealand, and instead of spending the money on a holiday in Barbados, or whatever it is that authors do when they win money, um, she has decided to create a grant... For writers, I'm not sure if this is just in New Zealand or kind of worldwide. It's probably just New Zealand. But the grant, and most grants for writers, of course, do things like 
well, they, if you, here's a new laptop to write on, or here's £500 which you can use to take two days a week off, one, one week to write. They're usually used for very specific things to do with your actual writing process, is what I'm trying to say. Not Eleanor Catton's uh, grant. She's going to give writers, so whoever wins this grant, they're going to get a few thousand dollars, I think it is, to... $3,000. $3,000. But that's New Zealand. New Zealand money. Yeah, let me just, uh, yes. And that money is to be used for reading. Yeah, it's what, an interesting concept. What do you make of those onions? <laughs> um, yeah, oh, I mean, it's like everybody's dream, isn't it? Say, yeah, don't do anything for the next month, just go and read. And get paid for it. Get paid for it. I mean, I guess it's writers. It would presumably you'd need to have some kind of track record of of writing or publishing before you were considered. Otherwise, it, anybody could could uh, apply for it who was interested in reading and potentially writing. Yeah, I suspect that there does have to be some sort of entry criteria. And one of the things that they have to do at the end is provide some kind of written summary of what they've read and what they learned from it and that kind of thing. But I don't Ooh. think it's long. I don't think it's like a thesis of any kind. I think it's just... I was going to say, that sounds a bit like you'd, you'd end up worrying about writing that and then spending your whole time writing it. Yeah. But I just thought it was in, an interesting uh, concept. Well, two things are interesting about this. One is just the grant itself, the idea of a grant money being given to a writer to give them time to read. The idea is that this is kind of... That's the way that writers improve that we can only do one with the other is they don't exist separately and often we're juggling the old full-time jobs as we often talk about and the thing that gets pushed to the back is often the reading so it's to kind of combat that kind of idea but the other thing that's interesting is just uh, an author giving prize money away to what is um you know ultimately a, i think a, a positive cause absolutely and a writer who's so young i mean this we're not talking about a writer who has um, an illustrious um, and uh, well-paid writing career behind her. Well, she does say that she is in a position now to just write, that that is her living. So she's not doing too bad. No, I, absolutely. But, I mean, is that just from the luminaries? Is I, that just from, from winning the Booker Prize? I would have thought that would have a fair bit to do with it, yeah. Yeah? That well, wasn't... That's, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Do you yeah. know how much the Booker Prize um, win is? Mm, no, not off the top of my head. It's, I'll worry about that when I get to it. <laughs> Isn't it nice to have that to aim for? Uh, yeah, well, I've been, that's I've been eight. I think <gasps> this is... fifty thousand pounds. Sorry. No, it's a lot of money. The cost of prize I know is thirty thousand pounds. Is it? If you win them both, that's eighty thousand pounds. If you give seven seven thousand pounds away, that's sixty three. No, 70, oh my goodness. But still, what did we I need to, work I need, at? I need to edit that out. I just did, just did some <laughs> basic maths wrong. <laughs> um, we were talking a little while ago about the average uh, salary of a writer. Can you remember that? Didn't we come up with something like £11,000? Wasn't it something like that? Yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't us. I think it was... Uh, it was a, The Guardian. It was an article in The Guardian. A piece in The Guardian said that, and um, we both thought that sounded amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but was it was it eleven thousand? It rings about. Yeah, because I mean that's what I'm talking about. You win the Booker Prize, that's absolutely fantastic. But that's basically five years of a rubbish writer's salary. I'm not dissing 
the idea of winning £50,000. But it's just, you know, I mean, it's not going to see you through the rest of your your writing time. So um, there must be so many other other things attached to winning the Booker Prize hmm. in terms of, you know, sponsorship and events and all that kind of stuff and ways you can earn money. Well, you suddenly get invited to them and get paid to go to them. I mean, I've done I've done a number of events as a published author. I think I've been paid for them once or twice. This is a very mm-hmm. a very common problem for writers who are not big name writers. People put on festivals and um uh, with with very good intentions and they put together great fantastic events. Uh, but quite often writers are expected to just toddle along and do their thing without any kind of remuneration almost like the exposure and the fact that you might sell a mm. few books of which you will obviously get a very you know a very small percentage of of the um, royalties if anything if that's assuming you've paid off your advance yeah um yeah anyway I think we talked about it before but uh somebody once said to me you wouldn't or no I don't I probably read it someone didn't say it to me but that you wouldn't say to a plumber could, do you fancy coming in and, and fixing my pipes for free? Because it'd be good exposure, and I can tell everybody about it. Yeah, yeah. About anyway, this writers. is all this is all very upsetting. So let's talk about notebooks. I, I should we not do the? Yeah, I'm gonna have to. If you know, if I say it, I'm gonna have to do the jingle. Go for it. Let's let's uh, let's talk about notebooks just, uh, another time. Let's do the listeners' no, question. We no, we've got time to do both. I'm sure. Okay, well, let's do it. Let's do this. <laughs> It's just if we do the listener's question last, we end up like having like one minute to do it. So I think it'd be nice seeing as it was actually a listener's question from last week that we didn't get around to that, that we do it now. Um, yeah. So um, Isabeth Christie on Twitter at Car... Oh, now I'm going to spell it. C-A-R-Y-S-A-B-E-L-7-4. E- Isabeth Christie or Isa Beth Christie? Well, I assumed it was like for Isabel or Isabella short instead of a name that might be start with Isa, which sounded very unlikely. Yeah, fine. I'll go with that. Excellent. Um, Her question was, how do you choose names for the heroines or heroes and heroines of your story and resources links to find great names? Thanks. Um, Space X. No. Not even no regards. Just it was that was enough. Um, and I was thinking about this when I was in my um, furious picture writing phase. They weren't furious texts, but I was writing a lot of them. I was quite productive. Um, I had a lot of little characters in those books, and I realised quite quickly that I was using up all my sacred children's names that I wanted to keep for myself because they were my favourite names. I was just chucking them into stories. Um, and uh, so I had to stop that pretty quick, smart, because that you don't want to count out a name for yourself for the future, do you? Because you've you, you've made a story character called that, and then that book gets published. That'd did, be silly, wouldn't it? And did you use um, names of your potential future children for unpleasant bad characters? No, but I just think if you if you you tarnish that name anyway, if you've created this being which is not your child you know what it's like if you know anybody with a name that you like you associate it with that person regardless of whether they're nice or not or the ones that you don't like i mean it's uh, a lot of people make these decisions based on um or they make decisions not to call their children something based on the fact that they know someone with that name exactly exactly and i imagine that if i um 
if I, if those books had been published, uh, my daughter is, is called Ivy, and I'm pretty sure that at least one story had a little girl called Ivy in it. And I'm so glad that that never happened now because it's way more important to me that I had my little Ivy than um, than that book got published. That's the truth. I'm not just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> so you that's 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 how you uh, came up with names. Well, I I had um. In in the novel *Ace for Angelica*, written by me, there are lots of characters because there are there are hand, the usual kind of handful of main characters. But I refer to lots of other kind of um, uh, kind of secondary characters that live on the street. So there was lots of opportunity for me to be creative with those names. And um, instead of being creative with those names, um, most of them are people that I know, or sort of bastardizations of of names of people I know. So I have a friend called... Um, <laughs> I have a friend... friend have I've, you? I was about really to say give out my... friends? My friend. <laughs> I've got a few. <laughs> Three, I think. Um, I've got a friend called Simon something, and I've got a friend called something Radford. So I combined their names and called them Simon Radford. And um, and they're quite good friends, so of course I gave them... Um, the, the character is a, a boy who has a problem with wetting himself all the time. <laughs> were um, they delighted? Uh, they were thrilled. I saw them at the weekend and they were. We, we, they mentioned it, or one of them mentioned it and thanked me for it again in a sarcastic way. Um, <laughs> and there were lots of others. Um, you're in there, Donna? I know, I'm a checkout assistant in a supermarket. Yep. I was, I was thrilled. Indeed. <laughs> um, but the main characters, um, I didn't choose in that way I, and, and I ch- changed them. Uh, the the lead character was always called Gordon, and then later on I decided to call him Gordon Kingdom, um, but it wasn't originally that, and it was the idea. I was getting quite fancy. I thought Gordon Kingdom. The idea was that, you know, his he was surveying this. He's surveying this street, and the idea was that this is his kingdom. This is what he knows. This is what he's obsessed with. So there was that. Um, and also, there's quite a good contrast between Gordon, which sounds, you know, like the guy at the corner of the street or who lives on the street in Kingdom that sounds very grand indeed yeah I hadn't thought about that but that's, that's a fine point which I shall claim in a different point in the future <laughs> has been my own idea um, the dog was called Harvey and then halfway through I thought the the dog was a kind of a, a, a bit of a not a comedy character but sort of a, a symbol of kind of misfortune and I thought Harvey sounded like too normal of a name so I decided to call him Kipling it allowed me to tell a couple of jokes, basically. Um, <laughs> That's just because you did. You have changed names to fit the story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, quite mm. quite often. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like that- the idea of, of of naming like after people, like you said, you did. It, it is amazing what it means to people. Well, that was um, part of why I did it. I just thought it'd be so yeah. so nice for, to do do a very small thing for all these people who've supported me and helped me write the book. Absolutely. My mum has um, written many children's books. She's had about 25, 30 published. Um, She wrote one once about a little uh, boy in India and she named the character after one of my oldest school friends um, who comes from an Indian family. And it was so funny because I must have mentioned to it, I I didn't make a big thing out of it. This, This was after we left school. But many years later, he did mention it to me that it had meant a lot to him and that he he was really, really delighted. So it's funny, isn't it? People, they really appreciate it. 
Yeah, I th- I think so. I mean, I I don't think anyone's ever done it for me, but I would love it if they did. I mean, that's a that's just a basic appeal to the populace. <laughs> um, it does grate on me a little bit when I read books, um, either fantasy or near future, whatever you want to call them, science fiction, and they have ridiculously outlandish names. Um, and I always thought that. Um, uh, what's her chop? Suzanne Collins did quite well with the Hunger Games because she'd obviously gone for, and this, actually the same thing for um, Game of Thrones with George R. R. Martin. They've obviously gone for names that we recognise, but that are a slight twist on them, so that they are slightly exotic. Don't you think? I mean, that must be obvious. Like I'm thinking about Joffrey and Katniss. They're kind of they could be people that we know, but that they're just not. They're from a different, slightly different dimension. Indeed, my middle name is uh, not Joffrey, but um, Jeffrey, as you know, but other people wouldn't necessarily know that. I'm not pleased about it, never have been. <laughs> well, you must really associate yourself with Joffrey then. We're like two peas in a pod. I thought that as well. Um, yes, but you know, you don't want names that are too pretentious, do you? Where people like think, oh, hang on a second. I mean, obviously, it's good to have names that you can remember. <laughs> And also, but, s- some names are quite funny. I mean, I, the, I can think of two other examples. There's a character called Ina McCorkey in my novel, very small secondary character, but that was a real <laughs> name of someone. That's, I just heard someone, I was at work and someone rang up, or it, I don't know, or, or someone was telling me a, you know, what they'd done at the weekend and one of their friends or neighbours or something. But just the name Ina McCorkey, I just thought mm. it was brilliant. Apart from the, the, the name Ina, I didn't really know. Um, but Ina McCorkey, I just there's so much rhythm to that, to those yeah. syllables all put together. Absolutely. And then, and you know what? That's the perfect situation for. No, tell me. Having a notebook to write that down in, so you didn't forget it. Very good segue. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. Uh, did segue. you write it down in a notebook all those years ago and think I'm going to use that? So, or did just, you just remember it? Just to confirm, we are now talking about notebooks. Well, you don't need to confirm that. I'm, st- I'm I'm seamlessly following in and asking you a question. You don't need to do that. Um, I probably did. I probably did write those things down. I mean, I did use a notebook. I, I had a couple of notebooks when I was writing uh, the first novel, and and I I did use them much more regularly than I do now. I think. Um, but I don't use notebooks like I think writers are supposed to use notebooks. I'm not sort of pouring my heart into them every day. Um, I'm not writing down every single idea that comes into my head. I don't. I never sort of just have a thought and then have to write it down. I don't have that compulsion to keep track of my thoughts. It's interesting um, that you think that that is that is what writers are using their notebooks for, and then it has to be that. Well, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that, but that is, I think that's a lot of the... Well, there are a couple of things here, aren't there? There is, I think there is. So part of what, part of what I want to talk about is, I think, in fact, I'm certain that there is a kind of, it's difficult to say, but I'll do my best, a fetishization of notebooks in the writing fraternity, especially online, because you have things like Tumblr and Pinterest. I typed in um, writer's notebooks into Pinterest and... There's loads of stuff. I mean, it's actually quite interesting, but um, this was this, like I found a board here by a chap called Nick Thorpe, and he's compiled various 
famous writers' notebooks, and they are quite interesting. There's, I think, the, pot, the Potter Plotter is on here. Ah, oh, I'm going to pop that in the show notes. I will, I'll pop it in the show notes. I, The way I have always used my notebooks, and the reason I asked you about that name was, I just use it for random oddities to get to get them down so that I things where you think they're slightly interesting and you might look look at that or use it in some way later and I've actually done that with lots of ideas which have developed into poems when I actually had the time and the inclination to develop them um but exactly things like 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 that thing with the funny name or strange things you've seen or places or even just lines or words that you you want to play with you know I and that's a really random thing. I don't feel that I need to write in my notebook, but I know it's there if I ever need to use it. Um, and yeah, I think and, it's. Um, and do you use it? Do you refer back to it? Do you go when you when you're sitting down to write your poetry? Do you have your notebook next to you? Do you go right now's the time to go back through all those oddities, all those things that I wrote? No, but if I if I am thinking. I would like to just have a go at writing something a bit different or, you know, what shall I write? Normally when I sit down, it's because I have a specific thing that I want to work on. But often I've just sat and I've flicked through it and I've gone, oh, yeah, I said I was going to do that. Or I just, you know, said this thing about, well, like, for example, I can give you an, an example here that that when I was in India a few years ago, uh, we found a temple in the forest where they had kept the same fire burning for over a thousand years. Isn't that amazing? I don't know whether I'll ever use that, but I just thought, God, that's so important. I've got to write that down, you know? It's just a little snippet. So there's all sorts of weird snippets in my notebook. Um, but I don't, like, it's just, it's kind of like a, it's not a diary. I guess it is just a classic notebook. I mean, I've the, the other thing that I think is a problem, and this is definitely a problem I have, and this was the tweet from Nathan Filer. He wrote, Does anyone else suffer notebook anxiety? I carry four, but having never defined their unique roles, tend not to write. So, hmm. so I mean, I've got... I, even just where I'm sat now at my desk, I can probably see or reach about three or four notebooks. and um, And I have... I did with very good intentions define roles for them like this will be for to-do lists but possibly um this one might be for the novel so i have a i keep my novel separate this one's for my freelance work so i've got notes from meetings and things like that in that and i feel like they have to have these defined roles because nothing irritates me more and it has happened it always happens partly because you know you just have you go to whatever's nearest or whatever you have but like the it breaks my heart to see and to know that it's there that somewhere in the middle of all my notes on my second novel that I do use I do keep it next to me as I'm writing it's not like I don't have a notebook notebooks I do have them I just don't feel like I use them as much as I'm perhaps supposed to but in the middle of all those important notes about my novel there's a shopping list just because it was what I had next to me and I knew as I was writing lettuce and tomato and big bar of chocolate I knew that as I was doing it I just thought this is so wrong that's so funny that you think that because for me that might actually help me access the next thing that I wrote because those things were happening at the same time and if you look at the shopping list you'd be like oh yeah because and that's that's what I was thinking at that time and 
I don't know. I feel I'm very much a one at, one at a time kind of gal. Um, I would get I would be upset and flustered by four notebooks in my what's it? I mean, he must he, Nathan Filer must have a massive man bag to carry around four notebooks all the time. <laughs> I barely got room for for a pack of tissues with me every day, and very definitely only one notebook at a time. I couldn't cope with having lots on the go. Just be it's too messy and overwhelming. I have to admit, I usually carry a couple, but this is because, you know, you never know when you're going to want to write some idea or thought down about the, you know, the, the, the creative writing you're working on. And you can't be putting that in your uh, your notebook for meetings. Oh, that's true. Do you know what? I leave my work notebook at work. Well, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm a, I'm a, I've got my own business. Yes. I'm a freelancer. Yeah. So it's slightly different. No, it is slightly different. So there, I, I, I admit that I have two notebooks. Yeah. What about um, what about uh, techno technology technology techno techno uh, techno yeah. techno etc. Do you um, have notebooks? No. I could just stop you there right there. No. Well, let me finish. <laughs> oh no! Whatever you're going to say is a no. Go on, carry on. Tell me about some notebook apps that might be useful well, that maybe, I should consider. Maybe that wasn't what I was going to say. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. So I've got um, I've got apps like um, well, Simple Notes, which I use, and I use um, I use a, a version of Simple Note called NV Alt, which you can find on the internet, which is a similar sort of thing. But uh, Simple Note is is a, is a great app, and it syncs on your from your computer to your phone to your tablet. It's brilliant, and you can search for notes. You can come up with your own system or use someone else's system for for kind of naming your individual files you can you can save them to dropbox so you can have them sync to dropbox all your individual files with notes in it's it's what i use well we we now use um we we've used google docs for the last uh, couple of months to to share show notes not the show notes that everyone reads at 5by5.tv/wfyl/126 i'm talking about our notes but what we're going to talk about we use Google Docs, but I previously used Simple Note for that. I could have easily have used a paper-based notebook, but it's just so much easier to sit at the computer, finding links, looking at articles, and uh, popping it all into a, uh, a digital document. Mm. Then, then you have things like Evernote, which of course are much bigger and kind of, you can throw anything you want into Evernote and organise it in lots of different ways. It's like notebooks within notebooks. Then there's something like Day One, perhaps, which is uh, more of a, a journal type affair where you can include pictures and you can make notes tags location weather that kind of thing and you can get that on your phone you can get that on your computer and then something like penultimate which i think is now made by evernote or has was bought by evernote you actually have notebooks on your touch screens where you use your finger and it's like actual writing and it's very effective it's actually very you know very accurate it's quite doable so there are all these different options that are effectively just ways of don't know maybe i shouldn't say replacing the physical notebook but certainly doing the same task and mm. and maybe part of my dealio and we've not even mentioned the fact that scrivener which i often talk about for writing um anything of any length or anything really that has a whole raft of uh, kind of um information storing and note taking features so these things all kind of exist and they all kind of do what physical notebooks do and i think i have i personally have ultimately 
um, gravitated. I know I said levitated. That would be astonishing. I've gravitated towards um, towards that way of doing things more, yeah. rather than you know getting my notepad out of my bag every time. Mm. But you it's don't, very interesting. You don't do that. No, but I guess it's all part. It's all rolled up into the same kind of thing. Like I'm, I'm still, I'm still going on with the paper books. You know, I'm so old school. Me, I, I haven't uh, gravitated or levitated over to an e-reader, um, and I, I don't know. I think I'm, I must, I must be not necessarily a traditionalist. I would call myself a minimalist, and I just need a simple life. Too many apps, apps in my face, apps coming out my ears. I, I just, it's too much for me. I think my little notebook, I don't even use that notebook very much. Most of the time, I'm just writing things directly onto the documents that I will end up finishing writing things on. Yeah, well, that's, I mean. yeah, I did get what you mean. That is kind of what I'm saying. That is what, that's pretty much what I do. Mm. Um, the taking notes for, you know, the, the you know the show notes and things like that is a slightly different thing but in terms oh, yeah. of in terms of creative writing of my fiction i i usually if i have an idea i just go okay just write it into the chapter so that when i go back to that chapter it's there waiting for me yeah exactly like yeah and it's actually sitting on it so that you can have it to reference at the same time without having to open something else yeah. maybe that's another thing because i use google docs at work as well maybe that's why i associate them with work so i'm not in a rush to use them in my personal writing. I'd be very interested to know what other people think about this. I think that notebooks mm. are wonderful. I just not like I, you know, I'm not I'm not against them, um, but I do think there is a uh, this kind of they are kind of fetishized as I have now said three times, and I, you know, yeah. and within that there is I think there is some kind of productivity problem to be pulled out. I think that sometimes people focus on what notebook they're using or whether they've got the right pen. And yes. the right, the right desk, the right computer, the right app, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, than they do on actually doing the writing. And I've, you know, I'm guilty as anyone. I've done that myself before. And um, I don't know. I'm as, as I get older, I lean more towards just using whatever's nearest, and that's usually my phone again or um, back of a bill. Yeah, well, this is another thing you could use index cards. So a lot of people use index cards or post-it notes. Of course, the you know this wonderful post-it note system that I've never got around to writing about. That kind of does part of the job that a notebook might do. Mm. We've got lots of options. We have, but I think a lot of writers like them because they are that connection to to the whole idea of writing, the whole look and feel of it. Like with the same thing we were talking about with the typewriters and all that kind of stuff, you know, being connected to the the great writing stream speaking of being connected to the great writing stream not steam stream the great writing stream speaking of being connected to that I how can people connect to me exactly you can connect to me on twitter at the flying poet i'd like lo- I'd, yeah it'd be great to hear from anyone and everyone yeah do let us know about uh, any thoughts or opinions or disagreements even uh, experiences whatever's going on uh, related to anything that we've talked about you can get in touch with me on twitter too i'm at ian broom i-a-i-n-b-r-o-o-m-e and um and uh, you can find show notes as we say at five by five dot tv slash wfyl slash one two six and obviously you can find all previous episodes over there too hmm. and i think great. that's that's that for another week 
that's that for another week. Thanks very much and see you next week, eh? Will do. Ta-ta. Bye.